Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Father, we're here to worship you. We're here to know you. Um, Some of us may just be here because we're curious. And so I would ask right now that you would keep your good promises to us. You promised that your word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purposes for which you send it. And uh, you do not leave us unchanged. So we pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts, to receive from you, Lord, would we, whatever we are coming in with, would we lay it at your feet and submit it to you and allow you to speak to us? Would we not come in with demands and conditions on what you're going to say and filters through which we hear what you're going to say, but would we, uh, would you do for us what we can't do for ourselves, which is to allow us to be still at your feet, receiving from you, believing that you are our good shepherd, Jesus, you're leading us for our good and for your glory. And we ask you to do that right now in your name. Amen. Okay, so uh, this, these two verses, um, I mean, if y'all were here last week, you know what comes right before this. These two verses are a a commentary that Moses uh, put in here. This was Uh, When he says, therefore, this is a commentary from Moses to his people. Moses is saying here that what happened, uh, and just in case you haven't been here, um, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. We believe that the Lord gave him that through the Holy Spirit and uh, gave him what he wanted us to all know through human history uh, about the origins of everything. And so here, Moses has this commentary of, of starting with, therefore, that what is happening here between Adam and Eve, this marriage, is a pattern that's set for humanity from this point forward. This is not just a single event, but this is Moses saying, and hey, this is why marriage is what it is and is the way that it is. This is how God designed it. And Jesus affirms this in Matthew 19 and when he says, um, people are asking him about divorce. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And in part of Jesus' response, he says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, and then quotes uh, this, this verse that we just read. In Ephesians 5, Paul quotes Genesis 2.24 as well and says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so what we have here is that, that marriage is a living play is a testimony of all the other things that marriage is, it is perhaps most of all a living picture of God with his people that he's given us from the very beginning. I mean, think about, think about that, that he's, he's, he's carved this out in the beginning of human history in Genesis 2, and then later he tells us, um, yeah, this has been the pattern from the beginning, that, that this this institution of marriage would display the way that God is with his people through Jesus. The way that God is always with his people, but we see it most fully in the way that God is with his people through Jesus and the way that God has loved us through Jesus. This is what marriage is. 
Um, and that's why for, for the Christian, um, same-sex marriage is off the table because it is this picture of this coming together. If you, I don't know how Brant approached this last week, but um, we, it's this coming together of two different, it's, it's two um, counterparts that are not the same. And when Paul says this is referring to Christ in the church, he's, you know, he goes on in Ephesians 5 to really extrapolate on this, but it is like, it is this living play where the husband represents Jesus and the wife represents God's people. And so it is necessary that those are two differences coming together and not two sames coming together because of what this is. And so Jesus says that not all of his people will experience marriage in this life. And I want to start here so that we know that God is talking to all of us in this passage, not just married people and not just people who want to be married. But going back to Matthew 19, Jesus is teaching about marriage. And so after hearing about marriage, his disciples say, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. I mean, somebody said we idolize marriage, and I think that's true. But when Jesus' disciples heard him teaching about marriage, they actually thought the opposite. They were like, if this is what marriage is, it would be good for, like, none of us to get married. And Jesus said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. If there are eunuchs, and so that word eunuch um, can mean several different things. But one of the things that it means is back in the, these cultures, uh, men were made eunuchs where their testicles were removed so that they could be in high positions in kingdoms and not be a threat to, to the royal line there. And they could be trusted. And so it, it means that, but it also means, uh, has meant very effeminate males. It means those uh, who have had some kind of uh, issue, physical issue from birth uh, that has interfered with their sexuality and their expression of their sexuality. And so we just need to know what that word means. But it, Jesus says, uh, not everybody can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. And so the, the reason we're going to this little this passage from Matthew 19 to help us out, prepare us to receive what God has for us in Genesis 2, is uh, one, marriage is not the dream that we idolize. It, it is good, it is from God as a gift to humanity, but it is also hard. It, and the reason it's hard is because it's not about us. You know, we, in, in this culture, in romantic comedies and all the other things that we have here, the way that, you know, subject of music and, and just all, pretty much all of pop culture is like marriage has become this sort of um, invention of convenience, and so a lot of people are just foregoing marriage altogether. But for the people who do enter into marriage, it is this self-fulfillment machine. It is this way that I can be emotionally fulfilled. I don't have to be alone. I have somebody there who's going to pump me up and tell me how great I am when life gets hard. And it's this sexual fulfillment thing where I will always have both my physical and emotional needs met. And Jesus tells us and scripture tells us that is not what marriage is. 
And as God is the designer of marriage, uh, when we enter into marriage that way, when I live in my marriage that way, um, it will be very hard and it will be very frustrating because that is not what it is. Marriage is a way that I give myself to Jesus and marriage is a way that I receive Jesus. And Jesus is also saying in this passage that many people will not marry. Asexual, intersex, people who desire the same sex, people who desire the opposite sex. Um, all peoples out of obedience to Jesus will remain celibate. There will be all kinds of people who will remain celibate out of obedience to Jesus and what he says marriage is and what it's for. And one of those people is the Apostle Paul. Paul was called by God to remain single. And in 1 Corinthians 7, among many other things he says, he says this, that it's good to be single like him. He wishes, in fact, that all were single like him. But then he says this, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. So what he is saying here is being single is not plan B. Being single um, in response and obedience to Jesus is just as much plan A as marriage is. That God is giving gifts of different kinds to his people. He is giving some people the gift of marriage. He is giving some people the gift of singleness. And the gift of marriage and the gift of singleness is the gift of Jesus coming to us in a different package. He says, if a woman's husband dies, she is free to remarry. And then he says this, yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains single. And I think that I too have the spirit of God. We're like, yeah, Paul, you probably do. You wrote a lot of the New Testament. Um, so he explains that there are pluses and minuses in marriage. That, that those who are married, yes, there is beauty in that. There is this physical, tangible experience of the love of God through another person. But there's also the anxieties of marriage, that you're not just dealing with one person's stuff and sin, you're dealing with two people's sin. And so that gets in the way of trying to follow Jesus. And Paul's saying, look, that's a big deal. And there is a gift of singleness where you don't have to deal with that stuff. And so there are pluses and minuses of marriage and singleness, and we need to be able to see that. Our celibate brothers and sisters um, are not experiencing plan B. They're not, they are not less loved or forgotten by Jesus. And, and I think we, the church, probably need to do some repenting for how we've talked about marriage and singleness in the past. That marriage, it's, we've just kind of Americanized the Bible's teachings on marriage. And it's like, yeah, marriage is, is all awesome. It's the dream. And anybody who's not married, there's something wrong with them or God has forgotten about them or they're not praying enough or some other garbage like that. And that's just not reality. The reality is that marriage is good and hard. Singleness is also good and hard. Marriage is a gift from God. Singleness is a gift from God. And Jesus is giving himself to his people through both avenues. And it gets us to this place, as I was thinking about this this week, um, John 21, some of y'all know this passage, but um, Peter is talking, he's walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus, and John the apostle is in front of him, and Peter has heard some things about John, and he's jealous. 
And he's basically coming to Jesus like a little kid saying, well, yeah, what about him? Like, that's not fair. And I, and I think, you know, we do that. If you're in a marriage that you feel like is a bad marriage, you look at single people and say, that's not fair. Or you look at people who you think have a good marriage and say, that's not fair. Or if you're single, you look at married people or people with kids or people with family or whatever and say, that's not fair. And, and I believe that what Jesus is saying to every last one of us is what he says to Peter in this moment. If my will for that person is something different than my will for you, what is that for you? You follow me. At the end of the day, with all of our questions, all of our frustrations, all of our everything that has to do with marriage and singleness, the, the, at the very bottom of all of this is us as an individual looking at our Savior and him saying to us, will you just trust me and follow me for what I have for you? And that's the decision that we all have to make and, and probably remake every morning is do I believe that this Jesus can shepherd me to abundant life or not? And so now we're ready to hear about marriage. So he says, therefore, a man will leave his father and mother. Why does he say a man will leave his father and mother? Why is, why is the man first? Again, this goes back to the picture that this is a living play, that Jesus went first. Jesus left the comforts of heaven, left, left home and came to the unknown to create a new home for his bride. And so that is what is happening in marriage, is um, a man leaves the comfort of what he is used to and comes and creates this new life, creates this new home for a wife who then responds to the man leaving, and she also leaves her home to be with him, just like us with our Jesus. And it's it's... You know, in our sin, uh, we kind of do the opposite. We demand that um, somebody sort of recreate home for us and make things comfortable for us. We demand that the other party in our marriage um, is, is my new mom or my new dad. Um, I mean, I've heard of that. I don't know. <laughs> But it's, you know, we do that with Jesus too, right? So, I mean, you know, in, in our marriage to him, um, we demand that he come and make things feel like home and make things feel like the way that I, I want them to feel instead of coming to him and saying, hey, this is something new. Like I'm being called out of this old way, out of this old family into this new family for what God is trying to create, what he's doing here. Um, and so it's, in a, in a very practical sense, it's not just leaving home and leaving parents, but it's also being aware of how we've been shaped by our past and by our families and putting all of that up on the table and saying, Lord, all of this is yours. Like if, if any of this is not what you want for me, I trust that you're going to use this other person to show me that. Um, and I want to submit myself to you and to whatever changes you want to make in this new, new family. But the man will leave his home, and then it says, and hold fast to his wife. Holding fast, that word is, is like for fusing together. 
with his wife. And that is physical, that is emotional, that is spiritual, that is in every way. It's continually treasuring my wife over my career, my hobbies, even our kids, my family of origin, the opinion or affection of all other women or all other people, um, and even my own comfort. And, and all of that is not dependent on how I am treated by my wife. I have not always done that well. And, and as, a, as a man does that, a wife responds in kind. And she, she holds fast to him as well. And this, this beautiful new thing is, is being born. And, you know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 that, that God is putting his spirit in this union of this man and this woman in a marriage. And he is birthing something new and something beautiful. And, and it is, it's not only sexual when we talk about like a, a man and woman coming and being fused together, but it, it is also sexual. And in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, we get that um, Paul says, this is for the bonding of a man and wife in marriage. It, it's like, a little bit like our sacraments, how we have these tangible pictures of God's love for us in the Lord's table and in baptism. Um, this, you know, the physical coming together of a man and woman is like the renewal of covenant vows. It is a, there's a joining, there's something that happens. That is a good gift um, when things are going the way that they should. Um, but Paul also tells us, and, and this is really important for us to hear in America in 2023, that um, you don't have to have sex to be a full human. You don't have to have sex to fully express your sexuality and fully um, experience what it is to be human and to be healthy. It, it's not necessary. And that just flies in the face of everything that we are being screamed at all the time. But remember, Paul's saying, hey, I wish you could all be like me. You don't have to have this. This is a beautiful gift in the context that it's meant for, but it is not necessary. It does not make you less human to not be experiencing your sexuality in a physical way with another person. And that's why for, for us, this whole holding fast um, business in, in man and woman coming together in marriage, that's why for Christians, like cohabitation and casual sex is completely off the table. Because this is, I mean, e even cohabitation, even like having a monogamous relationship that is not marriage and living together, um, the real leaving and cleaving has not happened. It is, it's this imitation. And frankly, the only thing left for it to be is it is self-love. It is me trying to get my needs met while playing it safe because I don't really want my freedom um, constrained. It's antithetical to the gospel. It's not submitting to Jesus. Again, because of what marriage is, um, there is no, with, with Jesus and his people, there is no joining together and if you do a good job, then we'll stay together. And if not, then Jesus is going to leave you. That's not the gospel. <laughs> And that's not, that's not what he calls us to in marriage. And so it says that the two, uh, 
he will hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Becoming one in marriage is, is like being one with Christ. Um, on the one hand, it's already happened. Like both in my relationship with Jesus and in my relationship with my wife, we are already one. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. No matter what you feel, no matter what you're experiencing, you are a new creation if you are in Christ. It is not dependent on your feelings. The old has passed away, the new has come. We are married to Christ, no matter how we feel about ourselves. And no matter how we are experiencing his love, we are married to Christ if we are in Christ. And nothing can change that. And I am married to my wife, period. No matter how I feel on a given day, no matter how she feels on a given day. But what is also true is the becoming one flesh is, is it is a one-time thing, but it's also a process. It's, it's a one-time thing that we really are united forever, but it's also a process of I am becoming one with Jesus. He, I am becoming one with my wife. As we get to know each other over the years, as we learn how to love each other better, as we learn how to give ourselves away for each other, we are becoming more united in our experience of what it is to be married. And in my relationship with Jesus, I am becoming, I am experiencing more of what it is to be united with him. My experience of it changes. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image as Jesus from one degree of glory to another. It is, it is once and for all, and it is an ongoing process. And then we get this last beautiful verse here, verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You know, we, we get glimpses of that, but we have no idea what that was like. Because that is not the human experience anymore once sin has entered the world. Now our default experience in this life for married people and for single people is, is shame. It's shame for the way that I look. To think about standing physically naked in front of somebody else. It's shame for the words that I've said. It's shame for the desires that I harbor in my heart, the thoughts that I have in my mind. Shame over what's been done to me and shame over what I've done to other people. But listen to this. This is our good news. Hebrews 12.2 says, Look to your Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, which is marriage to you and to me, he endured the cross, despising its shame. It means, despising its shame means that he, he looked at all of the shame that was coming on him when all of our sin, all of those thoughts and deeds and words would be put into him. And he thought, yeah, that's, that's nothing compared to the joy of what I'm accomplishing through the work that I am finishing on this cross. Our Jesus hung naked on a cross to take away our shame so that we could stand naked before him in every way for all of eternity with nothing to fear. To be fully known and to be fully loved. The thing that we are all 
created for, the thing that we all hunger for, that gets expressed in all different ways. Our Jesus made that possible. And that is true of us, even though we don't fully experience it now, it is true of us right now. And because of his love for us, that's, it's his love is powerfully working in us. And 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. So now, because of this love, because of this love that I've been loved with, whether I'm single or married, now all sorts of things become possible. For me as a married man, now I am able to actually for the first time love my wife and really love her and not just be like a for you for me of like treating her a certain way so she'll treat me a certain way back. That's, that's all that you can do. That's the best that you can do apart from Christ. But now in Christ, I can really love her because I don't need her to be fulfilled. And now as a single person, I don't need to be married to be fulfilled in that way either. Like I have that in Christ. As a married person and a single person, I have what I need in Christ, and I'm not going to fully experience it here. We are promised that. We will experience gaps in our experience of Jesus' love for us until he returns. And you know what? That's okay. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says this, um, he, or, or Paul recounts what Jesus said to him when he was dealing with, with something. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. And part of what Jesus is saying there is I'm allowing you to experience some of the lack that you feel, whether it's in your marriage or in your singleness, so that you will, it, it's like training your heart and your eyes on me, so that you will long for me, so that you will come and find your life and your love and what it is to be fully known and fully loved in me and not in another person. Because remember, for all of us, he is our husband. That is our truest marriage. Marriage is not going to exist in the new heavens and the new earth. It is a picture for what's coming. And so when the real thing comes, human marriages are no more. And we will all be married to Jesus and we will all experience it fully. And this wedding, the first wedding in all of scripture, and every wedding from then forward, whether the people engaged in that wedding know it or not, every marriage in human history is pointing forward to the marriage that we were all created for and the one that is coming, and the one in which we will be fully known and fully loved, and we will get to fully experience it, fully experience it in him. And so between now and that day, um, when we are hurting, when it is painful, when it, when it is, is hard in, in all the many ways that it will be hard, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and let me shepherd you through this and let me give you myself and point you to the day where I will fully give you myself, um, the day that we we're made for. Father, thank you for this word. Um, Lord, there's so much noise around sexuality and marriage and singleness and um, we're so frail and we're so small and so weak and we just we really need you. We need you to be so kind and merciful and patient and loving. Thank you for everything that you have done. Lord, would you open our eyes to be able to experience more of it and to live out of it more and more?
uh, what's already true is that we are yours. Uh, you will never leave us. You're holding fast to us, and we, we are one with you. We are becoming one with you. Um, and, and that marriage, that is what we are made for. Um, that is where our joy and abundant life is found. Um, and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.